What's happening? Episode 26, Chat and Pony with Paddy the Baddy. As always, sponsored by Flux. And uh, I've also got me Paddy the Baddy hoodie on today, what you can find on the Apex website. We'll put them in, uh, in the link. I mean, we'll put the link in the description for you <laughs> so you can get on that. But uh, we've got a guest on today that I've been getting asked since I started my podcast to get him on. So uh, introduce yourself, Paul. Hi, I'm uh, Paul Rimmer. I'm uh, Paddy's MMA coach. Yeah, uh, I call him Uncle Rim because he's <laughs> he's been me uh, he's been me MMA coach for like twelve years. Know what I mean? It's it's been a long journey, and he's been with me every single step of the way. So it's it's great to actually finally get him on the podcast. We've uh, I've tried to get you on a few times, really, haven't I? Yeah, I always try and swear. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> always tries tries to leg me. This time I got him got him tied down, made sure that he was coming in. So uh, just introduce yourself, Paul, that everyone know. Um, yeah, so I'm Paul Rimmer, I own uh, Next Generation MMA, uh, been teaching MMA full-time since around about 2002, so like 20 years, yeah, I, 20 years. I was seven, <laughs> just to put that into perspective <laughs> for you, I was seven when Paul started teaching MMA full-time. Yeah, it's, uh, it's been, a, been a long journey, like. Yeah, a long journey, but obviously let's go right back to the start, like... How did you get into martial arts to begin with? Never mind MMA, just martial arts as a whole. So um, when I was about five or six, my dad took me to watch Karate Kid 2. <laughs> and I remember saying, to, I watched it and I was just like, wow, this is like, I remember saying to him, I, I want to do karate. And he's like, yeah, I'll, I'll put you in karate. And then uh, literally the week later, he took me to judo. Yeah. <laughs> took you to the wrong martial arts yeah and I'm like where's all the kicking why are they kicking each other instead they're all throwing each other around they're rolling around on the mat and doing all that sort of stuff but that was for me yeah do you know what I mean so um, I did judo for a few years uh, as a kid um, and I then moved into other martial arts so I, I tried karate out tried kung fu out tried loads of different things as like a a boy and then um I started traditional jiu-jitsu when I was about nine or ten and I stayed stayed doing that for quite a number of years yeah that's not the same as Brazilian jiu-jitsu is it it's a bit no it's different. not the same yeah. <clears throat> but I need to say like yeah, yeah, yeah there was no Brazilian jiu-jitsu yeah you know what I mean there was nothing like that because <clears throat> I remember being about 11 or 12 and then like UFC comes out yeah you know what I mean? And um, I found out about it through reading martial arts magazines. So yeah, I used to be banging to reading them because there was no YouTube. Yeah. There's no nothing like that. You know what I mean? There's no books on martial arts that, that like speak about grappling, anything like that sort of thing. So um, I was banging to like doing traditional jujitsu. And at the time I was cross training, doing other stuff. So I started doing traditional, traditional Kung Fu martial arts uh, as well as doing the traditional jujitsu, that sort of stuff. And then Uf UFC comes out. And I remember watching uh, Hoist like winning, and uh, I thought this is this is something I want to get into. So I said to my mum and dad at the time, they're like, "What do you want for your 16th birthday?" And I was like, "I want you to send me to the Gracie Academy in LA." <laughs> and they were like, "No, <laughs> not doing that." I'm like, you know what I mean? They You're didn't go to LA as a 16 year old. Exactly, kid. <laughs> they don't understand at the time. It's funny because literally uh, our Jack's sitting there and we had the same conversation where he was asking me to send him to Art of Jiu Jitsu for his 16th birthday. I'm like, You're not going on your own there. You know what I mean? So it was like literally history repeating itself. But um, yeah, so 
like I say, so um, I got uh, really into like traditional Kung Fu. Um, I know everyone always gives it like a bit of a thing, but you got to remember like that the period of time that I was kind of training in martial arts was just where UFC had been getting started. Like most people's uh, view of martial arts was very much films. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like I was addicted to watching like Hong Kong action films and that sort of stuff. And that's what I wanted to do. So <clears throat> I was very, very fortunate in that the guy that I picked, I shouldn't say picked, the guy that I went to train with to do traditional martial arts is one of the world's best instructors. Uh, a guy called George Ho. He lives on the Wirral. And what happened was uh, one of my schoolmates knew I did martial arts and they were like, come and look over this fella's wall. Like, they do all sorts of mad stuff in there. Imagine you said that this day and age. Come and look over this fella's wall. <laughs> no, it sounds really bad. So we go down after school and um, we're, like, peering over this fella's wall and there's, like, people, like, doing, like, catters with swords and all this sort of stuff. And, like, we're looking over the wall and he comes out and tells us to get the get off the wall, get off the wall. And then he's like, what do you want? And then we're like, oh, you know, interesting learning martial arts. And he was like, come back at three o'clock on Sunday. And we're like, okay, sound. So we turn up at his house at three o'clock on Sunday and we ring the doorbell, me and my mate, Mikey Chan. And uh, we ring the doorbell and he doesn't answer. And uh, I'm like, is he going to come? And uh, my mate goes, this is defo a test. He's got this thing plaque on the wall, says Master George. And he goes, it's defo a test. So we sat there and waited. And then uh, he fucking turned up about three hours late. And I was like, what are you doing? Was like, we told us to be at three o'clock. He was like, yeah, you were late. <laughs> wasn't a test he just got off and towards his class he was just sat there and he goes come back and then I went back and started training with George and been George's student for about well since I was 14 since I'm 42 now so like 28 years um, he's one of the best martial artists I've ever seen it's funny because I say stuff to you like this and you never believe yeah. me and then I, I'll go okay alright then don't believe me but um, so yeah I went around China uh, just studied and over there and stuff. Um, did some like Sanchao kickboxing stuff out there. Yeah, you actually went to, how old was you when you went to China? First time I went, I just turned 18. Just turned 18, 18, 18. and went to China yeah. on your own. I didn't go on my own, I got, went with uh, a load of people for, like at this England oh, did team you? thing <laughs> first time. Yeah. The second and third times, like, yeah, there was like, there was like two, three of us that would go. Yeah. That's brave that, you know. It was boss because at that time, the West wasn't really, China hadn't really opened up to the West. Yeah. <clears throat> so you'd literally go places and like people would just break the car and like stare at you. Thinking, like, oh my God, there's a white man. <laughs> That's what it was. That's what it was like. That's what it was like, honestly. And, um, you know, I, I went all different parts of China, trained with like some like phenomenal people. And um, long story short, um, I came back from from China was at work and stuff like that. And then um, I'll tell you how, how I got into MMA. So I've been training stuff. I've been reading magazines and like <clears throat> I get VHSs and stuff. And my mate, uh, my best mate, Michael, he um, <clears throat> he was my main training partner when we did Kung Fu. And yeah. we'd always go hard. We both like, we treated as a full contact martial art rather yeah. than just like a, a hobby. <clears throat> and uh, we used to get mats. I got two mats and we used to put them down in his living room. And when his bird would go to bed, we'd fucking practice jujitsu. <laughs> in his honestly in his living room. 
And um, I was getting more and more into doing that sort of thing. And then I, I came across a, uh, a guy uh, called Bernie and he did Brazilian style jujitsu classes. That's what the advert said. And I was like a cocky kid. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go down there and I want to show him what's what, what, you know what I mean? And he tied me up in knots. And uh, we started training together and stuff. So was it actually BJJ or just his like own little style of it? It was, he'd done traditional jujitsu. Yeah. But he was a good grappler. Yeah. And he'd done some sambo wrestling and picked yeah. stuff up himself. So he's a better grappler than me at the time. Yeah. When no one was grappling. So I, I trained with Bernie for, for quite a while. And uh, I competed in the Combat Sports Open Championship, which was the first um, like MMA event that you could enter yeah. in the UK. It was on mats, uh, four-minute rounds, could you amateur punch, MMA. Punch and kick and stuff, yeah, you as well punch as and grappling. kick and grapple, yeah. So like, yeah. I did that in like, I think it was, I want to say it's either 1998 or 2000. I've got the VHS on ours somewhere. That's how old it is. <laughs> the VHS. So yeah, so I entered that. I went against one guy. Um he took me down and I had a vest on and he took me down. I was trying to escape, I was trying to escape and he wrapped the vest around my neck like a geek. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like a vest. And he started choking me with my vest. Like, and I was just like, what the, what is this? And, um, old school. Yeah, yeah. And I said nothing. I'm like, you can't do this. But then I, uh, I had another match against some other guy and submitted him. And then, um, Bernie said to me, he went, listen, if you want to go further with this, you need to go to America. That's what he said. He said, like, I've took you as far as I can. You need to go to America. And I was like, okay, sound. So then I just went back to doing Kung Fu and, yeah. uh, and stuff. And um, I was sat at my desk one day uh, in, in the office and a girl sits down and goes, I've got a year off. I'm going to Australia. And I was just like, what? I want a year <laughs> off. I, I want to go traveling. So I marched into my boss's office and was like, you gave, gave her a year off. I want a year off. And uh, she's like, what are you going to do? And I was like, I'm, I'm going to go to America. And she's like, and do what? I was like, I'm going to do UFC. And she was like, okay, sound. Stamp. Your year off starts next month. So I'm like, oh, okay, You've got to go now. I'm like I'm like 21 <laughs> at the time. So I picked the phone up and ring me dad. And I'm like, uh, dad, um, just like, you know, I'm going to be going to America for a year. He's like, to do what? I'm like, to do MMA. And he's like, oh, I know. <laughs> you know, giving me the old dad. Yeah. What are you doing? What are you You've doing? got a job there. Do you know what I mean? One of them. So I get a loan. I get a bank loan. And um, I leave enough money out the loan to pay back the repayments of the loan. Yeah. And then I messaged Chris Brennan, looking for a gym in America. Chris Brennan, you could sleep in his gym. And I, uh, I found uh, in WH Smith's a martial arts magazine that I used to subscribe to, Grappling Magazine. And on the front of it, it's got uh, Baz Rutten. Yeah. Um, and a thing that says, Chris Brennan, King of the Cage, champion. So... Um, buy the magazine go home and reading about it and the, the article calls him like the Robin Hood of MMA how he like gives jujitsu to the people that don't know it yeah and uh, I remember reading it and the stuff that he was doing was like different to the other people were doing a grapple magazine the main difference being he didn't have a gi on and everyone else had a gi on yeah and I'd identified with that with fighting more so uh, I sent Chris an email and I was like yo I want to come out and, and do some training and he's like yeah no problem I'm like I'm coming out on this date and he's like, yeah, no problem. We've got room for you. I'm like, okay, cool. Week before, Chris, just double checking before I fly out. Everything's good. He's like, yeah, of course. Can't wait to see you. Get out there. I remember I arrived at LAX, went to uh, 
book myself into a hotel to kind of like for one night to psych myself up for like living in the gym and yeah. all that sort of stuff and uh got up the next morning traveled from la to orange county and walked into his gym and i'm like chris and he's like yeah who the fuck are you <laughs> and i'm like i'm paul i've been messaging you and he's like paul i'm like oh fuck, fucking hell that was like the start and he's like well if you train train jump on the mat and i'm like okay sound jump on the mat so jumped on the mat started training first move i ever learned like proper brazilian jiu-jitsu was a heel hook from 50 50 it was the first move i ever learned heel hook from 50 50 and um so then he paired me up with one of his blue belts a guy called albert who's got a, one of his affiliate schools and uh we slap hands bump fists and we're both on the knees and albert shoots a double leg on me and uh, it's fucking funny this. <laughs> I'd watched an episode of Jerry Springer. Right. And he has John Jerry Lewis Spring. on. He has John Lewis on, who's like one of the first Brazilian <laughs> Jiu Jitsu black belts in the US. And he says to uh, to this security fella, Steve. Yeah. He's like, get him. You know what I mean? Sort of thing. So Steve shoots this double leg on fucking John Lewis. And John Lewis gets a crucifix grip on him and flips him over and neck cranks him. Yeah, and I watched that and I was like whoa that's like the best move I've ever seen so anyway cut a long story short Chris is watching me I slap hands bum fist with Albert Albert shoots a double on me and I nailed the same <laughs> same move off Jenny fuck Springer. off Jenny Springer <laughs> <laughs> tap him in front of Chris and Chris was like hmm the kid must be good and yeah. then proceeded to get demolished for the next fucking four, four, four and, and a half minutes, minutes. <laughs> yeah, just fucking smoked me tapping him in front Call, of his coat yeah you tap me in front of Chris I'm gonna absolutely annihilate you and he was like you. what belt are you and I was like my belt <laughs> so anyway so uh, I end up living at the gym uh, training full time there like that was that was how I really got started yeah it's funny when Chris because obviously Chris has come over hasn't he and done yeah. seminars in our gym and it's funny when he tells us stories about it he's like oh yeah Paul had come over he'd uh He'd, he'd lose loads of weight, he'd go home dead skinny and then he'd come back again six months later and do the exact same thing all over I'd again. Blame me ma for that. Like, but, um, Your ma was feeding you up. Yeah, my ma was feeding me up. She was like, you look thin, there's some food. But um, nah, like, it was good because I said, because Chris was basically like, how long are you for? And I was like, I'm, I'm, I'm here for at least six months. Yeah. That's how much money I've got for six months. And he was like, okay, cool. Can you pay for the six months in advance? I was like, yeah, sure, why? So I paid him for like that. And he was like, oh, no worries. And I asked him about it years later. He was like, I didn't think you were going to stay longer than fucking three days. Yeah. <laughs> so that's how you got me to pay yeah, up. Yeah, to pay up front for it. So, um, so yeah, but I, I lived in the gym and I had like really, really good training partners uh, there at the time. And everyone helped each other because there was loads of us living in the gym. That's what I was going to say that. Like how many people were living in there? Because obviously back then you could, the world was a different place. You could have people living in the gym and stuff. There was six bunk beds and a, a camp bed and um after that it was kind of like sleep on the mats that's what there it was, was that like. many people yeah i remember one summer there was i think there was about 14 of us there something something along them sorts of like about 14 of us living. yeah yeah um but and was, like were some of them fighters and then some just done jiu-jitsu and stuff like that or was everyone like a fighter um no all the livings all the main livings were uh mainly jiu-jitsu guys yeah yeah that's mad thinking back now though because obviously there's still not even that much money in jiu-jitsu now but obviously back then there must have been even less. Oh, there was money. nothing. There, there was, was nothing. Not they, were, they were there because they loved it. Yeah, because they were there because they loved the game. Yeah, um, I think, uh, there was a guy called Brad who lived there who was like the the, the head of the livings. Yeah. And like, you know, he'd, he'd do jiu-jitsu but he was like working but it was like easy for him to live there because he was from out of state. Yeah. And then there was a guy called Brady who lived with us 
and Brady was uh, still one of the best best people I've trained with. He taught me a lot, an awful lot. So he'd get up in the mornings and go to work. So he'd wake me up in the mornings and give me private lessons. Well, I thought your private lessons, it was basically him just muffing me every day, <laughs> every fucking morning. Him just beating you know me up I mean? every I'd day. I'd just get out of bed tired and he'd be fucking mounting me. But the thing with Brady was he taught me quite a lot about jiu-jitsu. He taught me about like how to kind of repeat and get into stuff. So like when we'd roll, he'd do the same things in the same order and I couldn't fucking stop him doing yeah. it to me. And that was where I, I learned a lot about how you should learn and teach yeah. jiu-jitsu and, and how you should approach it, systems and stuff, yeah. So he was teaching me that quite early on. And then there was uh, another guy who, who lived there called uh, Gerald. I think he's in prison now or some shit. <laughs> but but he, um, he was Eddie Bravo's first student. Yeah. So, yeah. So before there was a 10th planet, before there was anything like that, Eddie was a purple belt at the time. Yeah. And so was Gerald. And he was teaching him rubber guard, twister, lockdown. And then we were learning that stuff off Gerald as and well. That, this is like 20 years ago, wasn't it? 20 Maybe. years ago, yeah. So then um, the other people that like lived there at the time there was a guy called Dennis Kelly who came over and Dennis runs a massive martial arts school in, in Australia uh, there's a guy called V I don't even know if he trains anymore but he, he was really good he was from Carlson Gracie London uh, Jason Tanner who owns the MMA Academy he came out that's how I met Jason I was Jason. thinking remember Russ who we met Russ, Russ yeah Russ was a living yeah. yeah there was loads of people like a, a lot of people there at the time um, and it was really good because I met loads of people who come through the doors of the academy as well yeah but it was a really good experience like I say just living in the gym um, but I used to attend I used to do an hour braid every morning two hours of jujitsu in the uh, like half ten sort of time yeah. like we do in the mornings and then I'd go and lift weights in the afternoon and then go back for fight team training jujitsu and kickboxing and I did that every day for like six months. Yeah, you were putting that work in. Oh yeah, that's why I say to you, so I'm like, listen, I've yeah. done this, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I, I think I lost, uh, I think I lost 80 pounds. That's what I lost in six months. But it wasn't six months, it was more like three. Because yeah. Because I really didn't give a fuck for the first three months. I was yeah. just eating American food. Yeah. And then I was like, you know what, I've got three months left, I need to fucking do this. When um, you come home, your mum and dad are like, Who's this? <laughs> yeah, that's that. That was what it was like. But um, so yeah, so like you know, got got the work in there. I had a lot of good friends that helped me out a lot. Um, they, uh, all of them, pretty much from that era now, are black belts. Yeah, a lot uh, of them have their own gyms and stuff as well, don't they? Like, yeah, loads of them, loads yeah. of them have their own gyms. Yeah, uh, you met loads of them, didn't you, when you yeah, came over to we, Texas with us? Yeah, when we so, went for the next generation, was it the twentieth? Twentieth anniversary, yeah, yeah, of that next generation. But yeah. it's ours this year. Actually, yeah. it'll be a. Uh, April, yeah, March, not March, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so, like, that that was, that happened, and then I came back from America the first time, and then... Um, did you end up going back to that job? Yeah, I did, yeah. Yeah, did you? Yeah, I did, yeah. Did. <laughs> so, what was everyone like when you got back? Oh, what was it like? And you... <laughs> they were like, what happened to you? And I was just like, up in America, I had a tan, and it was like that, and it fucking, it was, you know, it looked like a different person. <laughs> Look like the fucking the real poor Imra came in, like, and then, um, like me now compared to eight weeks ago. Oh, yeah, that's exactly <laughs> what it was like, lad. You know. So, um, so yeah. So I come back from America, and as I said, I met Jason at the time, and we came back and we were training partners, and we uh, we started doing uh, training sessions in the O five one. Yeah. In the boxing ring, we put the mats down with like John who owned the O five one. He had like a. Uh, mats for people to do sit-ups and actually was a boxing gym yeah yeah so we'd fucking move all the uh, sit-up stuff off the mats and put them in the ring and then we'd roll in the ring yeah and then we um we started teaching a class in fighters and fitness studio 
which later became Carbon. Yeah. Um, so we taught in there for a few years. <clears throat> and then uh, I was working on the door at the time and John asked us if we wanted the 051, the upstairs, the 051. Yeah. And we were like, so, yeah, yeah, defo. So we moved into the 051. Actually, sorry, I should say that before that, we had a smaller gym on Vauxhall Road below uh, yeah. the old body power gym. Yeah, I know what you mean. With them mad stairs, what, the little spiral stairs, you'd walk up them ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, um, like, that was like that was on that was on Vox. Loads of people have been there. Fran's been there. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, th there was a lot of people, like, came and trained there. That was, like, the first full-time MMA gym in the city. We'd had, we had morning classes for fighters and jiu-jitsu classes of a night, Thai boxing, that sort of stuff. So, like... Uh, it was a really good environment. Brazilians would come over and train with us and, you know, like everyone from Liverpool would go and meet there and train there. And then, like I say, uh, we got offered the 051. We moved to the, the 051. Um, and that's where, like, the gym became, like, sort of like... Yeah, a that's it. It became, like, a mainstay, weren't it? Yeah. The then, 051. Yeah. And then, um, like, Jason, that day went and opened, like, the MMA Academy and then that, that's where you, that's that's where say, you that's, came that's on like literally probably like a month later that's or when, yeah it? it was that's when I first come in because I never I never really knew Jason from teaching or not and like everyone I come in when like I can remember the date when I first walked in the 20th of January 2010 yeah you know what I mean that was the exact date when I come in yeah I remember that because that was the, the, the worst day of my life yeah. <laughs> that's the day my life got worse um, but but then but, but you know because we just literally went and seen and we went and seen yeah, Danny Widows and we around the corner then. but like they're your they're your coaches that you remember when yeah, you first started they're my, my first ever coaches like Danny Widow Danny Carl. Widow Carl Ryan you know um, what I mean yeah Ellis wasn't even a coach Ellis, then no, or, Ellis, or, or Ellis Vince or no Ellis, like Vince started like a month after me and then Ellis come a few months later. It's funny because Ellis started with Danny Widow doing private with, with Danny, Danny Widow. Widow in the cage. Yeah, 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 yeah I remember. Because <laughs> I was always like, who's that quiet kid who, uh, who yeah. doesn't say hello? Doesn't, doesn't speak. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so we had the 051 and like that's where like, um, you know, we had a lot of good times. We had a lot, a lot of fighters and then moved on to Kansas Street. I, I, I always say about the 051, the one thing I always say is... I don't talk about the cold. Yeah. <laughs> The heat. Always the cold the, and yeah. the heat. The the windows because it was like a greenhouse, wasn't it? It was on yeah. the fourth floor of the O five one. So because of the windows, you should put a picture of the O five one up. I know. Whatever, whatever the um, whatever the temperature was outside, it was magnified inside. So like whenever it was freezing, I'll never forget. It was. It was f me and Adam looking at each other, going, putting our toe on the mat, going, <laughs> oh lad, it's not. No, no. Oh no. Like, we're gonna have to do it. We're just gonna have to do it, and we just start jogging around the mat like that with our toes, thinking, "Oh my god, it's freezing." Some people's feet, the bottom of the feet, used to go bright white. Didn't yeah. they? Like they change color. Don't footlock those guys. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then when it when it was sunny outside, it was like an absolute sauna, didn't it? Yeah, it was. Like when you'd spies, would just be slipping around each other. Like I always think back to it, like because like we talk to the the, the youngins in the gym now, and I'm like, lad. Yous were never part of Friday night fights in the gym, mate. Because mm. when we used to have it in the cage on a Friday night, it used to be a fight. <laughs> it was, yeah. But then, hey, do you know what's funny now? It's like on our uh, Thursday morning spars. Like, like that now, yeah, isn't it? Do you know it what is. I mean? Like the Thursday morning spars. Like, I always think back to Matty Ross. Because the way he throws punches with them cage steel gloves we used to wear, you'd have all bruises on the top of your head off his knuckles. <laughs> I'm punches. sure someone's still sparring and them, um, them black and green evolution ones. Yeah. With the no velcro that yeah. you just used to tape over. Used to someone's, tape still, over. someone's still punching heads in and yeah, then like... Yeah, they're, they're um, still about them. But yeah, like like I said, I mean, like that, that era, there was like, there was 
quite a few of you that like uh, have grown up doing like different things. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Joe Neal, like look how successful Joe yeah. is with what he does, and Louis Neal as, well. as well. Matty, Matty's got his own clothing, clothing brand. brand. And that. Yeah, yeah. Like they were like you know, and uh, like you, Vince and Ellis, you're all black belts now. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like everyone's got like uh, grown up since then. Because you know yeah, we were all kids, weren't yeah, you? Yeah, I was a, as you know, when I first worked in the gym, I was like 15 and like 50 kilo. Mm -hmm. And I was a proper baby. <laughs> yeah, but you <laughs> had a mouth on you though, lad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always had a mouth stand on you, me. Yeah, you always going to stand up to anyone, weren't yeah. you? Yeah, you know I couldn't mean? help myself, lad. Yeah. Uh, that was off having a big brother, that though, to be honest. Having a big brother, I always used to give him shit and get beat <laughs> up, so... Just in the gym. You know I, mean? yeah, I can remember Spag and, and Glenn leg kicking you to death yeah, and all that sort of stuff. The funniest one ever with that was Spag. I remember giving him shit, giving him shit. And then he, he went, come here, you. And he choked me out. He put me in a rear naked, put me a kip. He put me, I remember Teddy Ferrigan was there and he was like, ah. And then I went, come back around and just went, Ah, you dickhead! Ah. And he went. I'm not even doing nothing to him anymore. Go away. It's just like I'm not. I'm not even going near him now. I've just put him asleep, and he's just woke up, and he's still giving me shit. Like the, some of the days in that old five one were the funniest ever. Yeah, they were. It was a. It was a good. You know, it was a, a good, good crew. Good crew back then. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the fight team was like that. Was like the the first. That was the first like proper fight team, wasn't it? Like where it was like some nights we'd have six lads fighting on one show. Yeah, like yeah, that. yeah. Oh yeah, exactly. I mean. Don't get me wrong, like um like when I was a fighter's fitness studio, like Teddy Atom was like my first proper, proper fighter. And Jason as well. Yeah. Like you know, Jason and Teddy both fought in the UFC. Um but there wasn't really much to build up to to get that then back in the day. Yeah. It was like you were had like a few fights and you were off to UFC, sort yeah. of thing. Uh Paul Cahoon used to run the uh CFC fights in the Olympia. Then that like like that became like Cage Gladiators, yeah. And then that became Omar. Omar. And then you know what I mean. So yeah. like you know there was like there was a little bit of a like a Liverpool sort of scene, um. But the the guys like uh, who were at the gym like with yourself, they became like you know like Fishy Sweeney, Danny Roberts, Dinsdale, Steodge, you know, Steodge, yeah, like all, all them guys. Yeah. You know, remember remember the Cage Conflict nights? Yeah, the Cage Conflict. We would go to Cage Conflict and go twelve and zero. Yeah, and all that sort of stuff. Like them days, they were like real, real good days. Like, um, and then, like a safe, you know, from there, like everything sort of, everything sort of grown. You know, we had the big gym in the city centre. It was, it, it was good. Yeah, it was. Days. It's sick looking back now, like. The red mats and that because we haven't had red mats since, have we? I always think back to the red mats. Yeah, the, the red, red mats the in the cage. Famous wall. red mats. Yeah, yeah, the yeah, red. yeah. <laughs> Someone somewhere's got them red mats. So yeah. like, I left them in the 05, so like someone's got them somewhere. So yeah, because remember the other week when we seen someone had been in the Dedalich building? Yeah, yeah, remember yeah. On Instagram, someone had been in the building and all the mats weren't there, was there? It was just like a few things in the corner. Like there was a magazine, he took a picture of a magazine, mm -hmm. something that was in the corner and like that, and the desk was still there. Yeah, well then, uh, John said to us after that, didn't he? Um, we want to do something with downstairs, the boxing gym. Yeah. And I was like, okay, Sam. Then I spoke to Danny Widow and we we opened No Limits Strength and Conditioning. And uh, Chris Chris Tam came in and like I said, we've just been to their big yeah, gym around the corner. Right, yeah, their yeah. new big gym around the corner. And from like Carl's got two brothers. Yeah. You know what I mean? And all, all these things have been like offshoots. Yeah, you know as you mean? said, it's like the fighters have all we've all grew up and started doing things but also the coaches have branched off and done their own things as yeah, well yeah of course yeah like everyone evolves as they say most most of the gyms in Liverpool are offshoots of next generation some way yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they all are really but the yeah, fundamentals. yeah. But, but no it's good. it's good I like to see people doing well I yeah. like to see people getting on getting on and doing things and it's all all comes from me 
storming into my boss's office. You know what I mean? That's like it's 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 funny how things work out and you know, you know, we moved from the 05 one. Uh we had to move, didn't we? Because like the building the was derelict. Yeah. So we moved there and we moved into Kempson Street into like the little gym. And yeah, uh, we had like it was mad that gym we because we had two floors, like and then we flourished in that gym. It started to get busier and busier and busier. It really did, like so, yeah. We had like, to start, like every class had to be split onto two floors, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. I mean? But that's what we're like now, except yeah. the gym's really big. Really big. Yeah, do you know what I mean? So, like, we moved from like a 4,000 square foot unit into like a 15,000 square foot unit. And then, like, that's what we're at now. We're yeah. like, we've got full beginners classes going on at the same upstairs, time as full advanced classes. Advanced classes downstairs. You know what I mean? It's like, it's gone like ridiculous now. Um, if, what, what would you have said if someone would have said that? Someone would have said that to you 20 years ago when you first went over to America? I probably would have believed them because, like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Like I say, it, it was really weird because the, 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 the MMA wasn't a thing I thought in the UK up until Bispin fought on the Ultimate Fighter. Yeah, like I can remember teaching like 10, 10 to twenty people, and then Bispin fought. It was like forty people. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like it just literally overnight. Yeah. So. See where you was involved in the sport, you will have noticed that. But for me, even when I said to people, oh, "I'm going to do MMA," they were like, "What's that?" Yeah, of course. Like even when I was 15, which is what, like 2010, I was saying to people, I'm going to do, I'm going to say an MMA, and they were like, what? What's that? And then I'd have to say to them, oh, UFC. Like, oh, that cage fighting, yeah. It's like, uh, you call it cage fighting, lad, but if you'd ever come, lad, and train the bit, you'd, you'd realise it's not just having a scrap in a cage. <laughs> no, it's not. It's just, there's so much more. There's so much more to it than having yeah. a scrap in a cage. You can start there, though. Yeah. <laughs> two, two people can put MMA gloves on and go at it, and that's a better start than most things that you're going to do to start. Do you yeah. know what I mean? I had someone message me yesterday saying, oh, can me and my mate hire the cage and just go at it in the cage? I was like, nah. <laughs> <laughs> no. One, no one wants to see that, lad. But, really but we've got some that. classes if you want to come and learn what you're doing. <laughs> I can't believe someone's actually messaged that in 2022. <laughs> can we just rent the cage and come and have it in the cage, please, mate? Yeah. If that was you who rang me. <laughs> oh, that, that's but, sick, you know. I know. Well, but that, that, that's the thing. Like, it, it is fighting at the end of the day. Yeah. And I would say to people, like, like people are like, why is MMA so popular? And the reason it's so popular is no matter what is going on in your life, you could be watching, like, penalties in the World Cup and two fellas can start scrapping in the crowd and you and will stop watching that and you will watch the fighting. Yeah. People love to watch fighting. That's it's what a primitive it is. thing, isn't it? Yeah, you know what I mean? Like, it's it been is. happening for thousands and thousands of years, people fighting, and people have always watched it and kept their eyes on it. And if, they, if them two fellas fight for long enough, people will start betting on the outcome. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> so, like, that's 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 how, 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 how fighting is. It is a very primitive thing. So, like, um, it's always going to be... MMA will be the biggest sport in the world. Like, I know it's boxing, but as, like, the years have gone by and the athletes in MMA are becoming better and more well-known, like, it will it will become the biggest yeah. sport in the world. Yeah, because as, as you say, it's still only in its infancy, MMA. It's really in its like infancy. How, how long? Boxing's been going for two, three hundred years. Yeah. like that. Only people boxing on the docks and stuff like that for hundreds of years. So, like, MMA's only been going, what, was it 97 or something? Or oh, 92, is it? Yeah, no, because like... Um, I what was the judoka who had a fight with someone years ago? I think that's Jean LaBelle. The, yeah, Jean yeah, LaBelle. Jean, Jean LaBelle fought uh, was it Milo Savage in a boxing match and then yeah. he choked him. He the, choked him, yeah, didn't yeah. he? Yeah. Um, but like I used to watch pro wrestling. Like That was like how I learned to sort of 
grapple. Yeah, like, I, mean. I think everyone used to like. I used to love the WWE yeah, when I was growing I, up. Me. Well, when I grew up, it was WWF. Yeah, <laughs> now like the World Wildlife Fund or whatever. But when I grew up watching pro wrestling, it was always the technical wrestlers that I liked. Yeah, I wasn't a Hulk Hogan fan. I wasn't yeah. an Ultimate Warrior fan. I loved like Bret Hart and um, the Japanese wrestlers that were like fantastic at the time. But because of that, I used to watch obscure wrestling as well. So there was this thing that used to be on ITV, uh, which was NWA at the time, um, which became WCW. And they used to have the most technical wrestlers in it, I thought. And then one one night, because what used to happen was it was on dead late on like a Tuesday night and I had school the next day, but I used to stay up and have the volume down. Dead low. My ma used to go to bed <laughs> and I'd put the volume up just enough to listen to it and watch it on my little portable in my bedroom. And um, I was waiting for NWA to come on and they put this other wrestling show on called Bushido. And this was pre-UFC. Yeah, that, that was like a proper MMA show, wasn't it, Bushido? It was worked fights yeah i think do you know what i mean so like but there was like wrestling champions in it and judo champions in it and stuff and these guys were doing like proper submission wrestling at the time and i'd not seen anything like and i was like what is this they're like straight ankle locking each other and spinning back kicking each other properly and all that and suplexing each other and i'm double legs and, that, and i'm like whoa what is this and then not long after ufc comes out yeah and i'm just like whoa this is this is better than than that. Yeah. I thought that was good. It was like a uh, Pancras rules only open hand yeah, strikes, like Baz Rutten. Baz Rutten, yeah, but Baz Rutten was oh, on yeah. it. You know what I mean? Open and, palm, and, yeah. Frank Shamrock and all them yeah. sorts of guys. They used to wear big mad boots and landed on that. Shinies, as well, yeah, yeah, yeah shinies, wrestling boots and shinies over them, yeah. Um, but yeah, I used to uh, I used to love watching all that sort of stuff. Yeah, because that's what when I look back and watch loads of like Pride stuff now, they have so many Japanese wrestlers. What get involved, don't they? You yeah. know what I mean? It's and like they used to love getting and it, the... like Pride will put work fights on in between. Yeah. Real fights. Like that's what I mean. You probably you probably watched all of Pride when it was happening. Like, yeah. I didn't get into MMA until after Pride had been bought by the UFC. Like I didn't ever get to see Pride as it was. I've only ever been able to watch it back. Yeah, well I can remember when uh the second time I was in America, um Chris had, had moved his gym and he was teaching out of two locations. He had a big gym and a, a smaller school closer to where he, he originally taught. And we did his Pride fight camp. Yeah. He oh was, yeah, Chris had fought on Pride a few times. He fought, he? he was the first fight on Pride Bushido. Yeah. Uh, in two, 2003. So yeah, so like we were doing his his camp for that and stuff and he flew out to Japan and fought in Pride, which was like a massive thing at the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, so, as it was, like a lot of people who are just UFC fans wouldn't even know, but Pride was the biggest show in the world, wasn't it? They were selling out like 90,000 arenas back yeah, in like 2005. Saitama Super Arena, yeah, yeah you know what I mean? mean? Like yeah. crazy, like 90,000 arenas for an MMA show in 2005 when half of the world didn't even know what MMA was. Yeah, but you've got to think to yourself, you've got two different places in the world. You've got America, where a lot of people didn't know what jiu-jitsu or grapple was or appreciate it. Yeah. And that's where you got to stand them up. Yeah, yeah, you know what I mean. You got the crowd standing that, and then you got Japan that are used to professional wrestling, and they're clapping and celebrating when the fight hits the floor and appreciating technical skill. Japan has always been one of them places where they appreciate like technical skill. Yeah, you know what I mean. And um, it's a bit mad because they had so many fighting organizations at the time. You had Shuto Pride, you know K1 Dynamite. They were putting on big shows, but Japan's not really a big force in the world MMA the, yeah, scene anymore which is a bit mad looking back now you'd think that now 
Japan would have a lot of like second generation fighters. Especially with the lower weight classes. Yeah, coming through. But then think about this. You have like China, which has been known for traditional martial arts, but now have started gotten an emerging MMA scene. If you think if you look at like the way the UFC have invested in the Shanghai Performance Institute yeah. and trying to pull people up. Remember like uh, Gary who visited us from Singapore? Yeah. Gary Tang. Yeah. And he's like um He's one of the main yeah, he, he was at the Performance Institute yeah, and stuff, yeah. Performance yeah. Institute. He won the scholarship thing, didn't he? Yeah, he did, yeah. yeah. So, like, it's good to see that, like, um, the the East, the mysterious martial arts from the East are still trying to grow and, and, and do do things out there. So, yeah, so be good if, like, you know, some, some of the Japanese got got themselves. I'm not saying there's no Japanese in the UFC. There's, there's the only one I can think of off the top of my head, like, was it, the, was it Haragotchi, the one who fought, did he fight Mighty Mouse? Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Years ago, but now he fight he fights in is it dynamite? Or could be. One. I think he fights in one now. Well one's a really good yeah, example one's a of good what example. they're doing in, in, in yeah. you know, what they're doing over there. Like they're they're like a really good organization. Um I like the um lack of rules. Yeah. <laughs> I've I've always said to you I'd love to fight with them rules with knees to a ground opponents. And yeah, yeah, knees to a ground opponents like, and stuff. Not stomps, but soccer kicks. You know what I mean? Where you can kick, but I don't think they have, have them, do they? Don't have soccer kicks. No, I they definitely, they definitely don't have stomps. Stomps are a bit of a step too far. Yeah, but <laughs> I think that's a bit bad. We introduced stomps for a while. Remember, somewhere over in the UK, no, cage rage. The cage, cage rage rated, have stomps. They had the open guard rule, which if you're on your back and open guard, the the, the, the opponent could, the referee <laughs> would say, open guard, and you could stomp you stomp. or whatever. Yeah. See, that's that's mad. Like. When you look back, obviously the first shows that you watched, there was no reels. And now when I fight, there's so many reels. Yeah, I used to watch like the, the uh, Brazilian Valley Tudo video. I've got all them on VHS as well. Yeah, they were all bare knuckle as well. Bare knuckle, yeah. yeah bare knuckle. <laughs> Head- <laughs> Absolute nutters. <laughs> but yeah, but headbutts and that. You know what I mean? Yeah. People take each other down and guard and just butt each other until like, <laughs> you know, until the referee stopped it. And um, but that was like they 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 were like the fighters I I grew up watching. Thinking, yeah, this is amazing. You know what I mean? But, um, yeah, the, the the MMA scene as a whole just grows. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, Every single year it does, you're right, you know what I mean? Every single year it just gets bigger and better and bigger and better. Uh, like, back in the day, people were just fighters, but now we're athletes. You changed my fight into an athlete. I've always spoke to you about yeah, this, haven't yeah. I? Which I hate. I always say to you, like, I hate working with fighters. Yeah. You know what I mean? I like working with athletes. You know, the, 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 there is a difference between the two. Yeah. You know what I mean? And um, it was good to see you make that transition. Cause yeah, I, what... I was a fighter, just a fighter for years. I never used to do no s and You'd have just forced anyone at any point in time for nothing. Do you know what I mean? That's yeah. what you were like. You know yeah. what I mean? And then you became more of an athlete. You yeah. took care of your strength and condition, your nutrition, you took your your, your accountability serious. You know, you've grown from your losses. You did all the things that an athlete would do where fighters would just make an excuse. And, just, and just fight someone else a week later. Yeah, basically. Yeah. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, but like I say, you know, that the MMA scene is growing. The sports popularity is growing. Like where, where everything's headed is in a, a good direction. Yeah, it's, it's it's really good to see. It's 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 weird to be part of a sport from its infancy. Yeah, that's that's where I've been in. You know what I mean? I have seen UFC one happen, right up to what what UFC we on now? Two seventy or something. Yeah, and just think of how many of the UFC Vegas cards and UFC Fight Night cards they've had as well. It's probably been about six hundred cards since you first started watching it. Well, yeah. Well, I remember like uh, I when I lived in the gym, I um. 
basically lived in the gym. The only place I'd go was we'd walk back and forward towards the uh, the shower at the Gold's Gym that was like a mile up the road that we had to because so Chris didn't have a shower, no. <laughs> so he said, train and walk a mile. That's why I lost all the weight, lad. I like, had to walk to get a shower and then walk back. To make sure you didn't get an infection. Every, after every training session, so overnight, we finished training at like nine o'clock at night, walk to the gym and walk back. Anyone that lived at Next Gen will, will know about that. And then... Um, you wouldn't even get away with that now because of health and safety. <laughs> No, you wouldn't, you wouldn't. But I remember, like, we had, uh, you know, I lived there at the gym. That was all I was doing, train, 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 train. And some weekends we'd go to Vegas and we got tickets to go and watch Ken Shamrock versus Tito. Yeah. Yeah. That's old. That's at UFC 30 or something, isn't it? Yeah. So I got my blue belt that weekend and went to watch my first UFC live Sick on that. the same weekend. It was, like, it was one of my best weekends, that like. Um well, yeah, it shows you how long ago that's that was when it was. I think that was UFC 49 or 50 or something. Yeah, it was that, that's a long time ago. Like, I would have been a baby, baby. yeah, like, I would have been still in junior school. You couldn't get UFC one to ten on on anything at that time. No, it Do you know what I mean? Like, like, that's all, what I'm saying. It was like really in its infancy. You couldn't buy the videos banned, of it, they all, they all yeah, got banned, banned in America. Stuff, yeah. <laughs> yeah, John McCain was on one trying to get it all banned. Um, yeah, because um. Chris, Chris Force on that. He fought Gil Castillo, I think, on that show. Yeah, I'm sure he did. Chris has fought on like every major show you can think of, though, hasn't he? Chris has fought on pretty much every show you can think of. Like, like yeah. Pride, Budo, Bushido, Shuto, Shuto, UFC, yeah, King of the Cage. Do you ever fight in cage raises? I think he was the first UFC lightweight fight as well. You know, I think he was. Mm. I'm sure I've read that before. Yeah, but it's good to see uh, Lucas. Yeah, it's good to see Lucas like taking over like. I know, sort of, like, one a second generation MMA fighter, which yeah. is very rare. Because really? the sport is so young, it's so rare to have a second generation MMA fighter. But it won't be as the future goes on. Yeah, it won't. You know be. what I mean? But yeah. like, but the, because, like I say, because he's been involved in it since his infancy, and his son's been around that. Like that's that's what you're seeing now. So like, yeah. you know, big up Chris and Lucas because they're doing good things on Bellator. Yeah, we'll probably I mean? um, probably have them. Back over against you, won't we? Yeah, we'll probably have me get them on the podcast. Can't yeah, you know what I mean. But um, but it's it's like I say, it's it's good to see because like you know, got Cage where he's on lockdown, UFC on lockdown, they're putting Bellator on lockdown. You know what I mean? Like yeah. everyone's everyone's going NG good for NG over. worldwide. Yeah, <laughs> going good. NG worldwide. <laughs> so um, so yeah, so yeah, sports going going good. Business and is like going obviously good. nowadays with the gym, like the amount of fighters we've got now. It's just like if I've got too many fighters to keep an eye on. <laughs> yeah, but we've got more coaches now. We have yeah. more coaches than ever. Do you know what I mean? Like it, it was hard back in the day when it was just like mainly me coaching. You know what I mean? Like that, you know, Dan, Danny and Carl were always a, a massive, massive help towards it. But um, in terms of like the MMA coaching, the jujitsu coaching, you know, it was always, it was always hard. Um, but like, you know, like with Ellis and Vent and that, and, and all the, the guys that like teach jiu-jitsu Matty and Ben and you know Comrade all those guys yeah. like it's 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 a it's a different different era again we've got all these like ama- like I say amazing coaches in the gym that like push everyone on so it's not like a one man band anymore it's a massive team yeah it's my, how many black belts have we got now 11 11 yeah see it's, it's spicy that you know yeah 11 black belts yeah that's another thing where if you would have, someone would have said years ago, oh, the UK gym will have that many black belts, everyone in America would have laughed. Mm, yeah, probably, yeah. You know what I mean? Because you know I mean? like, still think now that I uh, grappling, that's something that does my head in. 
people when he comments on my YouTube or comments on stuff, oh, he needs to go to America if he wants to get his grappling up. I was like, come over here and grapple with us, lad, and you'll soon find out. Yeah, we've had we've had guys visit from all over the world. Yeah, yeah we've we've had Dan his guys come to the gym and tell us how good the grappling is at the gym, and like yeah. you know they train at our gym if if they were in Europe and stuff, you know, like uh, you know. We we win stuff on grappling shows, you know. We win, we've always have done. It's always been like one of the strong points of the gym, but you know, it's not just that for MMA anymore, is it? You know what I mean? Everyone's like fucking striking's come on loads. No, no, obviously, you probably saw it at the start. I bet you, like, at the start of when MMA first got introduced, when Hoist won the first two UFCs, it was just we need to grapple, we need to grapple, we need to grapple. Um, and like, I think the first example that like got seen of it of like a striker actually beating a grapple was like Murray Smith. Yes. Where he's like, tried, used it to counter-wrestle and stay on his feet and strike. And nowadays, there's just so many different styles. Well, yeah, I mean, that like that's like a massive thing as well. It, it, a lot of things will depend on what your background... Like, if you want to get into MMA and you've got a background, like, a lot of people will just head for a gym. Like, if you're... Let's say you've boxed your whole life, for example, and you're looking for a gym, are you going to go to a striking gym or are you going to go to a grappling gym? That's the question. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you go to the striking gym, you're never going to really address your grappling. Yeah. If you go to the grappling gym, that might be more in your favour, but they might be more along the lines of, well, maybe you should grapple yeah. and you feel like striking. So, like, a lot of um, a lot of people's careers will depend on, like, what gym they walk into for the yeah. first time and who they're lucky enough to that's, get coaching. That's what I always say. Like, I'm, I'm lucky that I never really had no base in anything. Like, I think the fact that I just come to next gen and done MMA... I didn't have nothing else before it to cloud my judgments on stuff. I agree with you there, but also your base became grappling. Yeah, it did. My base became grappling in the gym. The blankets. Yeah. That's <laughs> what, that was me nickname for years, lad. You used to yeah. take people down, sit on top of them. Yeah, just lie on them <laughs> yeah. and decision them. And, um, but yeah, like I say, you know, every, everyone's different. If, if, if you walk into a gym, um, like I, I'm pretty fortunate in that because I've always done martial arts my whole life, get like a really good eye for people and sort of like the direction they should head in. You know, like, um, got guys like you that have turned up where they've had no training yeah. and they've trained up and we've got guys like Luke Riley who've turned up and they've got all this phenomenal training behind yeah. them. Do you know what I mean? And, you know, we're just like adding, adding to that and trying to improve him. So it's different depending on the athlete of where their ceiling is, depending on where, which which gym they go to or which, yeah. what they're doing. Like I always obviously think of Molly, where she come from a boxing background. Yeah. Like, she had that base straight away and she could just work on a grappling where I had to put everything together and like, so did Ventry. You know what I mean? We had to like, put everything together in one. Well, I, th I think also, and you know this yourself, which is, just because you're good at striking doesn't mean that you're good at MMA striking. Yeah. Like, we've had good strikers come in the gym and get the being kicked about yeah because MMA striking is different it's completely different the range not, is different the timing's different yeah, and it's not just because of takedowns or the floor or any of that sort of stuff it's just different entirely yeah you know someone who's a less technical striker can get away with less technical striking due to like some of the feints and stuff that gets put in because of because of the other sports yeah but also like them little gloves they equalise it yeah they do someone can swing punches against a fucking world class boxer and still knock a world class boxer out yeah they can. That's happens. spot on, especially with the little fours on, mate. But the fours, like, fours, fours change yeah. everything, they do. Fours change everything. They do, and that, that, that's like one of the big things, just because you're, uh, 
like Thai boxing. We've had Thai boxers come into the gym and their style is completely wrong for MMA. Yeah. We've had uh, Taekwondo guys come into the gym that style's right for MMA. You know, yeah. everyone's different. It's just whether, you know, you can make it work against all the different styles, I suppose. The one example I always use for that is the Wilsons. Like, Connor uses his style so good for MMA. Phenomenal. You know I mean? Phenomenal. Phenomenal. Like, it's brilliant what he does. And then where Callum's still doing his, his actual karate and still winning world, world medals at karate, he's not really putting it into place as Connor is, but that's because Connor stopped doing karate and yeah. just did MMA. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's putting your style into practice, isn't it? Yeah, 100%. That's, and that's exactly what it is. It's implementing your game onto onto others. That's something you do very well. Yeah. You know what I mean? Not not everyone can do that very well. And they struggle for, for a long period of time before they sort of find out their way of doing that. Yeah. Or finding opponents that allow them to do that as well. I think you've got to, in MMA, you've got to have make people fight your fight. You can't fight someone else's fight. No, um, but like I say, it's it's like... There's other factors in MMA. Like, aggression is important in MMA. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, if you shy away from them shots, the other person's coming for you. Yeah. You know, you can't show, like, sort of... Yeah, like, in boxing, you can you can shy away from shots, can't you? Yeah, you can be technical, technical sit on the ropes, but you yeah. cannot sit on a cage. No, you can't. Because <laughs> you're going to get punched and then either tucked down or just continuously punched. That's one of the things, like, you know, I watch people train in MMA... I watch other people's vlogs, I watch train and stuff, and, like, everyone seems to do the same thing. Like, a lot of people don't train like us. No, they don't. You see some doing some similar stuff, but a lot of people don't train like us. You see a lot of, like, pads, wall drills, grappling drills, that sort of stuff, but not really. Like, we, we teach how to use the wall. Yeah. You know what I mean? That was why, like, when you won your fight in the UFC... We had the picture of us drilling what drilling the finish. exact thing and how I'd finished them with. Yeah, because yeah. that's that's a natural thing to you. You know, okay, this is this is getting set up now. Yeah. I want to do this. I know what I'm going to do from this position. Systems. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't just work on the floor; it works on the feet as well. Exactly, and you know, like myself, Ellis, Vince, we've become better at like identifying and coaching these like finishing things that you know that that, that we see. That, like I say, I don't necessarily see other people doing. No, book us for a seminar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah like that's but that's where the sport's growing like some people are still coaching mma like it's three different disciplines yeah you bought your strike and wrestling, wrestling jiu-jitsu jiu and it's not the jiu-jitsu i teach for mma is nothing like the jiu-jitsu class is what you do at night you know that yeah don't you? it is it's completely you know it's different. Totally different. I the, jiu-jitsu, the jiu-jitsu we do in the morning and what we do with the fight team compared to what you do overnight is completely different. The jiu-jitsu we teach in the morning i'd be very surprised if someone would come in and teach the stuff that we actually teach if they did jiu-jitsu yeah it's kind of like saying jiu-jitsu guys say you should do this but actually what you should do is actually this yeah and it's like the opposite principle a lot of the time and that's why people struggle to make the jiu-jitsu work and that's why you haven't struggled making your jiu-jitsu work yeah. i think um because a lot of people like jiu-jitsu comes with its own rules and ideas a lot of the time and fighting gets rid of a lot of them rules and ideas and changes it you know what i mean like the whole thing about like um, staying on your back you know we, we had a guy come down and spar the other week and the first thing I said to him is you're settling on your back too much from another gym so you're settling on your back too much you need to be doing these things and he was like okay sound and he come down learned a bit of stuff and he's trying to like implement that back back in his gym because 
it's important that you get these ideas and, and, and understand them. If you're going to sit on your back in MMA and try and get an armbar or a triangle... You're going to get punched in the face. You're going to get beat. <laughs> and you're going to lose. And I'm not saying armbars and triangles don't work in MMA. I'm not saying you're, you're a great example of someone that's finished a lot, a lot of them sorts of things. I'm just saying, as in, the MMA meta has, has changed yeah. from the way you should be training to... Yeah, it's always evolving, isn't it? And like, as you know, when you're watching a fight... Nine times out of ten, if you're lying on your back, you're losing. Yeah. That's why, like, I, Bispin, I always give Bispin props for it because he was, like, the first guy to have that style. He was, like, really hard to keep down, just kept standing up all the yeah. time, go back to his striking. And, you know, that that's, like, a lot, a lot of the stuff that people should be doing yeah. these days. You know what I mean? Like I say, settling on your back is not, like, the, the best thing. But don't get me wrong, some people have, like, amazing guards and... Could do special things, but the vast majority of people aren't going to. Like we said, nine times out of ten, while you're on the bottom, until you get that submission, you're losing the fight. That's the way I always think about it anyway. If you're on the bottom, even if you've got all of a submission, until that person taps, you, you're losing. Yeah. I think something like, uh, I read a st- statistic the other day, and it's something like 58% of all the sweeps that have ever been in the UFC are from half guard. Yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> Half guard's better than closed guard. Closed guard, yeah. You know what I mean? If you're looking at that, and if you're looking way. at it from a jiu-jitsu point of view, you want to get a close guard constantly, don't you? You don't. Yeah. Really, you want to get a close guard, get a close guard, because the other person hasn't really got many attacks, but the person on the bottom's got all of them. Mm. But that's where I always say my jiu-jitsu is completely different when you add punches in. Oh, it's a lot like, different. My jiu-jitsu is just a, it's ridiculously different when you add punches in. Yeah, it's it's it is. But that's the thing we have like uh, systems that we train by like. Striking on, the yeah, ground. striking on the ground. We even have things that you're not allowed to go for in fights. You know what I mean? You are not allowed to. I'm not going to say what they are. But yeah. You're not allowed to go for these things in fights yeah. because they'll they'll cause you to make mistakes. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like that stuff's paid off. Like and that's the thing. I, I don't know if like uh, when people watch like your fights and then they like go and watch Nathan or Cullen, like they're watching the same thing. Yeah. They just they're not looking really yeah. like chokes. What that cage body show where like four. Four, four finishes, four, four really naked jokes. <laughs> like, oh, it's the next gen move. I'm like, yeah, it's not a coincidence. No, it's not. Not a coincidence. That's something I do love about our gym, though, Paul. Like, if you watch fights, some fighters from other gyms, they all have the same sort of style. They all do the same thing. Like, without like making anyone sound bad, alpha males a bit like that, isn't it? They've all like, they all go for the guillotine, go for the takedown stuff like that, and then you go to our gym and like look at Nathan and then look at Luke Riley. Oh yeah, I mean? they're two different fighters. Just two completely different fighters. You know but I mean? hopefully, look at Wilson, look at Cullen. Yeah, Ev- yeah. Everyone, look at me, look at Vince. Like every Molly, everyone's completely different. Like we haven't got like one set style, and we'll all do the same exact thing and try and try and beat each other. No, we're trying to coach the fighter and bring yeah. bring them on. Like when I was uh, more more of a, an inexperienced coach, I used to try and pick guys that were in the UFC and try to mold people into them sort of them sort of styles them yeah. sort of guys you know what I mean because then it helps you sort of like look at what other people are doing and sort of how their career progressed and what sort of opponents they had trouble with and doing them sorts of things and that was always like a, like a, a big thing to help out because you had nothing to look up to 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 go towards if you know yeah. what I mean so like that that's always helped me out like I was even sitting in the, in, in the gym the other day with the with the, the getting sisters, and we were um, <laughs> the getting we, sisters. You know, we were, I was talking, I was showing showing Liam saying like, look at this, look at this guy. I think he fights a little bit like you. Go go home and watch some of his stuff. The way you've said that fights. to me before, out of 
with a few people like his top game is what yours should be like let's do it like that yeah because a lot of people just look at like moves they don't look at like pace and distancing and you know the, the stuff that like re aggression the stuff that really makes a difference in a fight yeah you know what I mean like they're, they're things you obviously have technical skill you know that like that's always got to be worked on but some people just stop there yeah some people come in and just do like a bit of technical work and they think like, oh, I'm done sort of thing. And they're not trying to best themselves. You know, as well as I do every day when like we're drilling, like I say, a double leg takedown. I'm like, make it better than yesterday. Yeah. Make it faster, you know, drive harder on it. Like make them improvements that like don't just come up every day and go, oh, this again. And just go through the motions and think yeah. like, I've done my session. No, you should be trying to get better every session. You should be trying to put yourselves in positions where you're uncomfortable to make yourself comfortable. Yeah. So that when the time comes and someone puts you in that position, you're just like, okay. I'm That's what's this. been brilliant about having Jason here for this camp. Because oh, Jason's a star, mate. Yeah, he's, he's a, a belter, Jason. Like, yeah, he is. I just feel my wrestling coming on and on and on because I'm wrestling with him all the time, and he he forces me to get better at it. You know I mean? Yeah, you're you, uh, like better than probably anyone I've trained over the years. You've had the ability to kind of like catch up quick yeah like adapt in it like adapt and overcome like people have like different physical skills like some people are strong some people are fast some people are flexible you've always like you've always had a little bit of them things you know what i mean like um I can remember you just like a, like a 50 kilo kid picking Danny Dutch up and carrying him across the gym. Yeah. <laughs> remember that? Yeah. And like, you know, you've always been flexible, but you've always been fast. Yeah. You know what I mean? You, you've always had like a little bit of them, a little bit of them things. And now you're working on your strength. You've got a lot stronger over yeah. the years. You know what I mean? Um, but like some people don't pay attention to the physical gifts. They just take it for granted. Do you remember me speaking to you about your flexibility? And I was like, if you don't stretch, you yeah. lose your flexibility as you get older, you're going to get injured more. You were like, oh, fuck him. Yeah. And, then, and then what happens? You start getting injured start more. Start getting injured and that, yeah, yeah, you know what I mean? It's Everything's got to be worked on. And it's, it's important to identify like what your physical strengths are. I always felt for me, my strength was the way I thought about stuff. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I wasn't the strongest on the mat. I, wasn't the, I was never the fastest on the mat. I was, you know what I mean? But I always said to myself, I want to be the smartest. I want to know more than everyone else. Yeah. That way, if you're going to attack me with something, I'll have an answer You'll have for already it. seen it before. It, see it, yeah. yeah. And that's helped me coach over the years because it's helped me break other people down. You know what I mean? I can watch someone move around for a couple of minutes and be like, right, this is what you're going to need. I know exactly what tools that you're, you're going to need to, to get yourself somewhere. Yeah. That's why it's easier for me to coach people from all different backgrounds because I've got that much experience in it and, and knowledge of martial arts and fighting and that sort of stuff from, from, yeah, from years on, yeah. of doing this. It must be amazing for you now, though, because... Obviously, you was doing it 20 years ago. And then just last week, we had Emma in the gym, the English MMA Association, about 40 kids or something, was it? Under oh, the, yeah, that's, yeah. Under the age of like 16, like 40 of them in training. And it must just be mad for you looking now how much the sport's evolved. Yeah, like you, you know, and like not many other people probably know this, but like after you lot, like my fight team, my next passion is like our kids' team. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, got like a, f- a phenomenal bunch of kids that, that I work with like day in, day out. Um, like our Jack, Alfie, JJ, JJ Jake yeah. Webb, Charlie Wilson. Like, oh, I've got all these amazing, like little Noah. I've got all these amazing kids that come to the gym and they train just as hard as the pro athletes. Yeah. But they're never going to get the same recognition because no one knows who they are because they do it because they love it. Yeah. And like, I cannot wait for them to become like, like men and get the first fights and, you know, show everyone all the hard work they've been doing over the years 
But like that, that's what I like. I like to build up from nothing. You know what I mean? Like that, that, that's how I like to do things. I'm never going to be one of them coaches. Like, you know, all the years you've been at my gym and people have come from other gyms, not once have I ever said to them, hey, you should join our gym. You yeah. Know? I don't do that. You no. see me do the opposite. They're like, hey, can I come to your gym? And I'm like, have you spoke to your coach about it? You need to go away and speak to your coach and say to him, listen, uh, I'm thinking of this. Speak to him about it and then then I'll have a conversation with you about it. But never, ever in a million years ever dream of stealing or trying to poach someone else's hard work. Well, it's just, it's just that, you know what, me saying, don't you? We coach, we, we don't coach, poach. Don't poach, yeah. <laughs> but that's it because I, I, I don't... I, I, I don't want to be... It always reminds me of... Uh, have you ever seen that episode of Family Guy where they're talking about Goodwill hunting and uh, <laughs> thing, you know, um, Ben Affleck's lying on the couch while Matt Damon goes, and that's the end, Goodwill hunting, and he goes, uh, put my name on that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> put my name on that. Like, I never want to be one of them guys. Yeah. I would rather train from scratch. I would much rather say, listen, you know, uh, you've come from, from nothing. You've come into my gym yeah. with nothing. Let's, let's make you something. So you know that's I mean? that's something that lots of MMA gyms are like that though, aren't they? They're too quick to go, oh yeah, come on, you come to my gym. You leave your coach you've had for 10 years, you come to my gym. Yeah, I mean, and don't get me wrong, people have come and joined our gym, but, but I will always have the conversation if you spoke to your coach about yeah. it first because I'm a coach, I've had that happen to me, I hate yeah. it. Do you know what I mean? You put a lot of time and hard work into people and you think like, oh, the grass is greener there and then, okay, well, that, that's up to you. But like I say, I, I would much rather take the enjoyment of taking someone that's never done anything before and that person getting uh, an achievement. Like people, some people say to me, like what was like the, you know, the proudest moments of your, of your coaching career? Like apart from like, you know, the UFC and, yeah. and like the, the stuff like our Jack's achieved and stuff like that. My proudest moments are two things. I'll, I'll talk about them. Number one was when Paul Webb won the gold medal at ground control. Yeah. Because no one wrote, everyone wrote him off. He was Care Bear and all this yeah. sort of stuff. And <laughs> everyone wrote him off that he was going to, and he won the gold medal at a grappling competition. And I've seen how much it meant to him. Yeah. And then the other one was Steve Hodge. When Steve Hodge, when, um, when the gym sort of split and some fighters went to other places, Steve Hodge was one of the people that like, stuck with me. And he came in the gym the next day and helped me clean up the gym and then, you know, that, that sort of stuff and he said like yeah, I'm not going anywhere I'm going to stay with you and then he had his first fight on cage conflict and he knocked the kid out with like this uppercut and that was like one of my proudest moments you know what I mean I don't even know what I was saying at that time I think I was but I wasn't there but I'll never forget watching that back on video and just being like because he was like the nicest man in the world yeah. used to turn up to train every day and he was always the nail in training and yeah. all that sort of stuff and that was his moments and I was proper proud of him and what's boss about it now is his son comes to the gym yeah, exactly. Yeah, his son comes to the gym. Yeah, his, his Callum comes to the gym and he, yeah. he messaged me and I was like, when are you going to come in and see me? Come and say hello. So, Steve, come and say hello. Yeah, you best come and see us, Steve. Yeah. I'll, I'll be on you. But like, <laughs> like I say, people, some people think like your proud moments are going to be the big moments. But as yeah. a coach, it's not the big moments. It's you the ones I mean? that mean something to you, really, isn't it? More it's than the ones that mean something to you because the people that you connect with have achieved something that is important to them. Something they may never have felt like they were ever going to achieve. You know what I mean? And them things don't have to be competitive yeah you know like giving you your black belt was more important to me than you you winning your ufc fight that was a reflection of how much time that we spent together and the lessons i taught you over the years that was yeah. like a, that was a really emotional moment for me you vent ellis anyone i've gave a black belt to that meant something to me like i'm not just a guy that doesn't know you doesn't train with you doesn't have any input in you like every single black belt i've gave out has been 
from the heart, from years and yeah, years, from years of hard work and years of dedication. Yeah, and that that's what means something to me as a coach. So like achievements and the things that people do, like um, Charlie Wilson was the first kid that I trained to blue belt. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, actually, no, sorry. He he is. He's the first who joined the kids' classes and became a blue belt. And that, giving him his blue belt was a very special moment. But it's just Sophie. Yeah. Like, Sophie was, like, the first uh, kid, but she never went to kids' classes. She was just an adult. Yeah. She was a kid, but she was in adults' classes. And, like, like even giving her her brown belt, that means, like, a lot to me. Do you know I know. It's mad because we've seen Sophie grow up. Exactly, like, yeah, you know. It's mad, and now she's a brown belt and but she's the, but, a coach herself. But they're the things, you know, they're the things that, like, I thrive off as a coach. I'm not just hanging on for the latest UFC win. Yeah. You know, they're, they're nice things. They're things that, like, you know, we work hard for. Don't get me wrong, but they're the things that get the attention, the little things that don't get the attention sometimes. It's a more personal side of things. Yeah. No one knows about it. No. It's like, I, you know, I'll talk about it, but you do a lot of stuff behind closed doors for people. Like a lot of stuff. I, I see it. We speak about it all the time. Like you don't put it up. Some people will put stuff up on the social media. Look what I'm doing. I want like attention for this. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's not, it's, it's, it's for them and not the yeah. other person. That's but I know how much stuff you do for other people that people don't even know about. You know what I mean? Some of the, sometimes they get a glimpse of it on your Instagram when it's up. Yeah. And sometimes like they don't, you know what I mean? Like, uh, they're the things that mean something yeah, to you. Yeah, they are. The, that's exactly it. They're the ones that mean something to you. And, like, that does my head. And when people just put stuff up for social media, like giving money out and doing stuff like that, just so we can get it on video, it pisses me off. Yeah. Imagine I put up all the good things I've done for people over the years on video. You know what I mean? Like, I, 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 I don't need to do no, anything like that. No, don't, because we know what we've done. And that's exactly, all that matters. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You know what I mean? Like, um... I like as as a coach. It's my job to kind of like uh, help and assist. Like that's what people don't understand. Like a coach is not a it's not a role. Anything like a fighter. Yeah, it's not. It's the opposite. Like you need to be selfish, and I need to be there to help help you do the things for you that you need doing. You know what I mean? If I wrote wrote down all my job roles. <laughs> you know what I mean like teacher martial arts is probably like the smallest role you yeah that's, I mean? that's probably like four or five on the list it is yeah it's it's the other things that like make the difference I always say that's why I always call you Uncle Rim you're like my second dad like mm -hmm. I don't know where it'd be now <laughs> yeah but, but that that's the thing I don't do that for any other reason but it's nice knowing that all the stuff that we did over the years has so far paid off for yeah. you but if it hadn't have paid off for you it wouldn't I'd still be doing them same yeah. things for you, wouldn't I? Do you know yeah, what I mean? Of course. If you were fucking working in Jag Jaguar Land Rover or something and doing a bit of jits of a night, I'd still be the exact same coach to you. Yeah. As is, as if you were Paddy the, the UFC star. You know what I mean? And that's that that's important for people to kind of like understand. You know, you, you have no. a, a coach and a relationship and you know, that's something that you should treasure. It um, shouldn't be like Cobra Kai. <laughs> it's like um I was speaking about my background before, like not that long ago. Well, I remember sending Bernie a message and my message was, hey, mate, haven't spoke to you for years, but just wanted to let you know that like where I got to today, I wouldn't have got to without, without the lessons that you taught me and I really appreciate it. Like that's something that I would send out to someone, like, well, I did send it out because it means something to me. Yeah. You know what I mean? All the coaches that I've ever trained under, I've always been loyal to. I've always had a great relationship with them. 
because that's important to me. They taught me lessons. You know what I mean? They've all had a little bit of an input on how you are as a martial artist now. And a man. Yeah, and a man. You know what I mean? That, that, that's an important thing. You know what I mean? Like, I am a loyal, I'm a very loyal person. You know, I, I'll, I'll have you back until I've realised that, like, well, you didn't have mine or whatever. Yeah. But um, I think it's important. I'm a traditional martial artist, like, a heart. You know, to me, to me, this is all martial arts. And being being loyal to um, your instructor was always the thing, if you know what I mean. And I've always been like that. I've been with Chris Brennan for for twenty years. I've been George's student for over twenty eight years. You know what I mean? I'm 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 a very yeah. Honor's a big part in martial arts, isn't it? To me, it is. Yeah. To me, it is a like big yeah. part. And like I've always said, it loyalty is a big thing to me. It always will be. And 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 some people have their own views on it. Some people like there's no place for loyalty in MMA. But loyalty is a different thing. Loyalty would be me turning around to you and saying, listen, I've took you as far as I can go. It's time for you to go and spread your wings somewhere else. Yeah. That's me being loyal to you. Do you know what I mean? Like, loyalty is not, you've got to stay with me. Yeah. That's not That's not it. Loyalty is as in friends and, and helping you grow and becoming the, the person that you can be. Loyalty is having your best interests at heart. Yeah, and exactly. And staying true to you. That's what it's about. And some people aren't that way. Some people are that way. You know what I mean? It's black and white. No, it, it it's it's amazing the amount of people who've like fucking chat shit about loyalty but then support a football team. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, you can support a football team your whole life, be loyal to your football team, but I'm oh, not doing so well. Sound I'll fuck off and go and watch another football team. Yeah. Like, that doesn't happen. No. People are loyal. They just choose the loyalty based upon like certain factors and you know, one of them can be money, some of them can be their own own agenda or whatever. But at the end of the day, I want to know that I've stayed true to my own beliefs, my own morals, the way that I've carried myself as a person. Like, they're what's important to me. Character is always when the camera's aren't on. Who are yeah. you really? who are you really when the camera's aren't on? Yeah, I know who you are when the camera's aren't on. You're the same person when the, you know, as when the cameras are on. But people don't believe that until they spend some time yeah, around you. Yeah, people don't believe that until they actually come and chill with me. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. They realise then. Like, yeah, you know, they realise. <laughs> but know what? I couldn't finish it on anything better. So... We'll end it there today, but Paul, tell everyone where to find it and stuff like that. Um, you can find me at Next Generation, um, at Next Gen MMA Live, at Next Gen MMA L Pool on Instagram. Don't Same get me on Twitter. I don't even check that. Shit. Yeah, <laughs> it's just Instagram. Don't have me on this. Facebook either. Um, <laughs> don't ring me. Don't email me. <laughs> just come to the gym and we'll get you started. Yeah, don't ring him at like half 12 at night and ask him about the classes the next day when the timetable's on the internet yeah don't ring me five minutes before a class starts because I'm <laughs> teaching but uh, I just want to say big up to L, Vince Syordly Chris Joe Mark all the people that like help us out on a day to day basis yeah Scotty JP like that, you know, uh, Paul Reed, Paul Reed, mate. Paul Reed's the man, yeah. The absolute please, get man. Paul, please get Paul Reed on again. Um, <laughs> Paul Reed is the man, mate. He really is. Uh, uh Carl Evans, yeah, all the guys that like support us and have helped us out for years, but they don't get like the like the recognition they deserve. That they deserve. You know what I mean? Like, that's what you know. Although I am like the, the head coach of the gym, I could not do what I do without like all the support of everyone else. Even down to like the people that cover classes for us when we're away. Yeah. You know what I mean? Big up, big up all the jujitsu coaches in the gym. You know what I mean? Like, like everyone, everyone builds towards this together. It's not just something where like, uh, it's, 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 it's me getting the recognition yeah. for doing it. The, the, the whole gym should get the recognition for the work that they put in with everyone. So 
Yeah. Yeah. Big up NG. Ne- big up NG. We're next gen as a team, mate. We're not a one man band. But uh, yeah, thank you for watching, everyone. Sponsored by Flux, as always. This jacket's a beast. And this hoodie, I will put the link in the description so you can get involved and start buying. Peace out, the firm. Someone sponsor week. me and send me some shit. <laughs>